Hi everyone, welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis, where we look at the Gospel reading for the Mass of today, and we really want to get at the literal sense of the text. That's always where we want to start when we study the Bible. I know so many of you are benefiting from studying the Bible in this way, and hopefully we all continue to learn a lot as we continue through the Gospels. Today we're looking at John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but they would be too much for you now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you to the complete truth, since he will not be speaking as from himself, but will say only what he has learnt, and he will tell you of the things to come. He will glorify me, since all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I said, all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. So the context, we always want to start by thinking about when is this happening, what's going on in the Gospels. We're in the Last Supper, or more properly, we're in the Farewell Discourse, which goes over quite a few chapters. It starts at the Last Supper on Holy Thursday, but by this point it appears that they are walking from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is giving all these promises to the apostles. What he's just said to them in the previous verses is he's told the apostles that it's actually a good thing that he's going away so that he can send the Spirit to them. And he's also said the Spirit will convict the world of sin. So verse 12, Jesus continues to speak to his disciples. Keep that audience in mind. Jesus is going to give some promises here. And most likely they're only intended to apply in this special way to the original audience, which are the apostles. So he says, I still have many things to say to you, but they would be too much for you now. Other translations put this as they will be too much for you to bear now. This is an interesting teaching, isn't it? Jesus says here that there's theological truths concerning his father and about maybe Jesus himself that he would like to reveal to his apostles. He yearns to, but he hasn't done so yet. And he knows that if he were to try to reveal these, whatever these deep things are, before the apostles have the help of the Holy Spirit, then they're not going to understand so there's some things which Jesus couldn't actually tell the apostles at this uh, during his ministry because they didn't have the help of the Holy Spirit to understand them. So that um, tells us a lot about God's plan of revelation does not end with Jesus' death. And we'll talk about that. So what does this verse tell us? At a minimum, it teaches that Jesus did not reveal absolutely everything about the Father during his ministry. There were some things that Jesus did not teach. Verse 13, but when the spirit of truth, and the spirit of truth is a title that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit, which, and that title gets used quite a bit in the farewell discourse. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth because truth in the gospel of John basically means the father's will, particularly in terms of the revelation of Jesus being the son of God. So uh, God's plan of salvation or God's will for the world, something like that is what is meant by truth. And the Holy Spirit has come to communicate that truth. So Jesus here is probably talking about, you know, a special coming of the Holy Spirit that 
has to do with the truth. And perhaps some scholars think it might refer to this spiritual awareness of God, of his truth, that wasn't available in the Old Covenant, but which was prophesied in the Old Testament. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesied that the New Covenant would have a couple of interesting features. So Jeremiah says, and this is God speaking, I will place my law within them and write it upon their hearts. Everyone from the least to the greatest shall know me. And then Ezekiel says something similar in chapter 36. I will put my spirit within you so that you walk in my statutes. Many scholars think that this is the fulfillment of those predictions when Jesus here promises to pour out the spirit. When does that happen? When does the spirit come? Well, we know because we know what happens a bit later on. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. That's when they receive the spirit of truth. And Jesus says, when he comes, he will lead you to the complete truth. So what's the teaching here? Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide the apostles to discern all divine revelation that God has willed to be part of what we call the deposit of faith. So the Holy Spirit will guide the apostles to discern all the things that God wants wills to be revealed in that particular time period, the deposit of faith. So that would be all of scripture and all of tradition in the apostolic age. That's probably what Jesus has in view here when he talks about he will lead you to the complete truth. It's a promise to the apostles that the Holy Spirit will complete the deposit of faith in their time. This is the fifth promise Jesus makes about the Holy Spirit in the farewell discourse. Some translations have this as he will lead you to the all truth rather than complete truth. The basic meaning here, though, is it doesn't mean all is in 100% of everything ever. It's not a teaching that the Holy Spirit is going to teach them everything about everything. It basically means everything that is necessary. Jesus says that during the apostolic age, the Holy Spirit will teach the apostles everything that is necessary. And in fact, that's what gets put into the deposit of faith. So this verse teaches us that the canon, the New Testament, was not closed with the death of Jesus. There was still more revelation to come during the apostolic age. The Holy Spirit guided the apostles into understanding further theological truths, and these are the truths, or at least some of them, made it into the New Testament. Some of it remained as part of oral tradition. Remember, this is a promise to the apostles. It's not a guarantee that any individual Christian can be led to learn all the truth, even with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise to the apostles. Now, church tradition, we've looked at the literal sense. It's worth mentioning the Catholic tradition also thinks that this verse might have an additional meaning. When Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into complete truth, some interpreters within the church would say that this promise that Jesus gives here actually applies to the church in the long term as well. In that case, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will gradually guide the church as a whole into learning all the truth throughout the ages of history. And that would um, apply to the way that doctrines are developed and clarified in the Catholic Church. If you think about it, um, not everything was entirely explicit amongst the very first Christians. For example, the Trinity was not fully understood in the first century. It was only with later development which we believe was guided by the Holy Spirit, that we came to understand that truth more fully. And of course, this teaching would apply to magisterial infallibility as well, and that's laid out in the Vatican II documents, 
which says that the Pope alone, or the Pope and the bishops united with him, can be divinely protected from teaching error when they define matters pertaining to faith and morals. In fact, they are protected from error. That's a Catholic teaching that infallibility can occur in certain circumstances. And perhaps this teaching here in John chapter 16 is the basis for that. The guidance of the Spirit is basically Christ's guarantee that the gospel, the core things of the faith, will not be corrupted, distorted, or misunderstood by the ordained shepherds of the church during her earthly pilgrimage, and that probably extends to today as well. It's not a guarantee that individual Christians or even individual bishops will always get things right, though. And there's a lot more that could be said about that. Jesus goes on, Since he will not be speaking as from himself, or more literally, what it says there is, since he will not be speaking on his own authority, so the Holy Spirit doesn't talk about himself, Rather, he will say only what he has learnt. If you've been following the Gospel of John, you'll know that Jesus only ever communicated what he heard from the Father. And so now Jesus extends that and he says the Holy Spirit will only communicate what he hears from the Father and the Son. So it's a continuation of the Son's message. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to make the, Father, uh, to make the Son and his message present on the earth. And then Jesus adds this interesting phrase, Remember, he's speaking to the apostles and he will tell you of things to come or more literally there. He will declare to you the things that are to come. So Jesus here teaches the Holy, the apostles that the Holy Spirit will give them revelations of things which are to come in the future. That's a promise he gives to them. And the word here for declare is actually quite a specific Greek word. It's used in the book of Daniel to designate the revelation of eschatological realities. So it does seem to carry this idea of knowledge of future things about how God's plan is going to unfold in the future. Another interpretation, this is, I think, less likely, but it's worth mentioning. Some scholars think that what Jesus means here is that the Holy Spirit will make eschatological realities, such as God's overall plan of salvation, present in the lives of apostles and of all believers. So it's not a promise that they will have visions of the future. Rather, it's a promise that they will access information about um, sort of deep understanding of God's plan, something like that. I think this could apply particularly to the, the apostle John. If you think about it, he's the one who's authoring this passage. What other books of the Bible does John author? Well, one of the books that John authors is the book of Revelation. And if you know the book of Revelation, it's basically filled with visions of the future. So it appears that the Apostle John did have visions of the future. Now, if John, it's it's debated as to when the Gospel of John was written and to when the book of Revelation was written. But if you think about it, if the Gospel of John that we're reading today was written um, after John has written Revelation, then perhaps John is including this verse here in his Gospel because he knows that many of his readers would have already read the book of Revelation, and he's giving them assurance that those visions that he imparted in the book of Revelation are in fact from the Spirit, because Jesus promises here that the Holy Spirit will allow the apostles to have knowledge of the future. So that's an interesting theory, which could be correct. Verse 14, he will glorify me, so the basic meaning there is the Holy Spirit will point people towards Jesus rather than himself, He will make Jesus' divine majesty known to believers. 
Already the Gospel of John has said that the Father and the Son glorify each other, and now the Holy Spirit is included in this process of glorification. He's going to glorify Jesus. In fact, later in the New Testament, John says, the Spirit is the one who testifies, and that's in 1 John chapter 5. Jesus goes on, since all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. Everything the Holy Spirit teaches the apostles will in fact be given by Jesus himself. Notice that phrase. All he tells you will be given will be taken from what is mine. So the Holy Spirit gets his information from Jesus and then imparts it to the apostles. Jesus now is going to clarify what he means by mine. Verse 15, everything the Father has is mine. That is why I said, all he tells you will be taken from what is mine. So there's a complex kind of Trinitarian thing going on here. The Father reveals everything to the Son in a kind of total self-giving love. And the life of God is an eternal communion of life and love, which is sort of what Jesus is getting at here. That's the heart of Jesus' revelation. That's the same divine exchange of love and life, which is made available to all believers. And we'll look at that when we see Catechism, paragraph 221. Why does Jesus mention it here? He wants the apostles to be clear that although the Holy Spirit is indeed revealing the Father's will, that's his primary purpose, he also wants the apostles to know that the Son has access to the same things as the Father. So it is also correct to say that the Holy Spirit is revealing what Jesus has too, because the Father and the Son have the same information. Hopefully that makes sense. So let's have a look at some catechism references here, and there's quite a few um, interesting ones about the Holy Spirit, and I'll include all the catechism references to this passage in the show notes. Let's look at paragraph 221. This is a really deep teaching about God's identity and our role in being drawn to God. Paragraph 221 in God is love. God's very being is love. I should stop there. That Hear this Catholic teaching really clearly. If we don't know this teaching, we need to hear it. The Catholic Church teaches God's very being is love. The paragraph goes on. By sending his only Son and the Spirit of love in the fullness of time, God has revealed his innermost secret. God himself is is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he has destined us to share in that exchange. How amazing is that? Christians are called to be part of the divine love which God pours forth. Paragraph 91, this is early in the Catechism about what is faith. It says this, All the faithful share in understanding and handing on revealed truth. They have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit who instructs them and guides them into all truth. So the church does teach that the Holy Spirit guides all believers in a general way to understand truth, but it does not promise Uh, infallibility to individual Christians. Paragraph 687, this is in the section about the Holy Spirit, says, No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now God's Spirit, who reveals God, makes known to us Christ, His Word, His living utterance, but the Spirit does not speak of Himself. The Spirit who has spoken through the prophets makes us hear the Father's Word, but we do not hear the Spirit Himself. We know him only in the movement by which he reveals the word to us and disposes us to welcome him in faith. The spirit of truth who unveils Christ to us will not speak on his own. 
Such properly divine self-effacement explains why the world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him, while those who believe in Christ know the Spirit because he dwells with them. So here the church teaches that the Holy Spirit never speaks of himself. His job is to reveal the Son to people. Paragraph 1117, this is about the sacraments of the church, and it's a discussion about how the, whole, how the church has developed its understanding of the sacraments over time. As she has done for the canon of sacred scripture and for the doctrine of the faith, the church, by the power of the Spirit who guides her into all the truth, has gradually recognized this treasure received from Christ, and, as the faithful steward of God's mysteries, has determined its dispensation. Thus the Church has discerned over the centuries that among liturgical celebrations there are seven that are, in the strict sense of the term, sacraments instituted by the Lord. So you'll hear there that it quotes from John 16 about how the Holy Spirit is going to guide the apostles into all the truth. The Catholic Church understands that to be extended to the magisterium of the Church throughout time as well. Last paragraph we'll look at, paragraph 690. This is about the joint mission of the Son and the Spirit. When Christ is finally glorified, he can in turn send the Spirit from his place with the Father to those who believe in him. He communicates to them his glory, that is, the Holy Spirit who glorifies him. From that time on, this joint mission will be manifested in the children adopted by the Father in the body of his Son. The mission of the Spirit of adoption is to unite them to Christ and to make them live in him. So, that's the end of today's podcast. I hope you've learned something new. There's some really fascinating teachings in here about the Trinity, about the Holy Spirit, um, and about our role in accessing God's truth as well. Thanks for listening. Please continue to share the podcast around, and we'll see you again tomorrow.